Hello and welcome, my name is Leah Barber and you're listening to Next Gen Femme, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women's achievements, being a business, sports, STEM or the arts. We speak to women that persevered through ups and downs to pursue their passions. So we were losing by two points and we were into extra time and didn't I score a goal, basically. <laughs> Woo! So I have to say that it was a phenomenal experience and it was the only time in my whole career that I've made like I've scored an important score. In episode 13, we are joined by Rena Buckley. Rena runs and owns her own chartered physio clinic, has won a total of 18 All-Ireland County medals between football and camogie, not to mention the numerous All-Ireland medals that she has won with her football and camogie clubs as well. She is also the only person so far to captain her county football and camogie team to All-Ireland titles. And that's just to name a few. The list goes on. It's refreshing to listen to Rena as she talks about her journey balancing two sporting disciplines at the highest level as she also pursues a career in becoming a physio. Rena is as humble as they come. All this and more in this next installment of Next Gen Femme. We're excited for you to hear our 13th episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Next Gen Femme, our next generation female, however you'd like to put it. We're back again this week because we have so much time on our hands at the moment that we're back again with another episode with my co-host, Dr. Fiona Malone. Fiona Malone. We're literally doing nothing else, only podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> how, I know nothing else. It's how we're filling our time at the moment. But we are delighted to be joined by none other than Rena Buckley, who has her own private chartered physiotherapy clinic. She's 18 All-Ireland medals with Cork football and camogie. The only person, male or female, to captain their home county in football and camogie. The list could go on, but they're the top three things that I picked. <laughs> Rena, thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you on the podcast and very excited to hear about all of those accolades as well as more that I could have listed. So I guess just to, to start off the podcast... We keep it very free-flowing. It's just about you kind of telling us and our listeners your story of your journey, of your career, with your football, with your physiotherapy. I know you did a master's as well. Um, so you just kind of taking us through the journey of when all of this started for you, I guess. And I guess we'll start with you telling us your age, if you don't mind, occupation, and then an interesting or random fact about yourself. Or it doesn't have to be about yourself, but it could be about anything. Yeah, no problem. So my age is 33. So that was just about two weeks ago. I turned oh, 33. Happy birthday, belated yeah. happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. The highlight, the highlight of the day was because of the crisis we're in at the moment. People might not know this, guys, but there's a shortage in birthday cards. Oh. So I got a fortnight birthday <laughs> card for my birthday. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm 33. I'm a physiotherapist, so I work in private practice. An interesting fact about me is my official name is Catherine Susan Buckley. Marina is just a nickname. So everything you've told us is a lie. Is a lie. (laughs) A lie. My whole life has been a lie now. Your name is Catherine. Correct, yeah. And how did Marina... My grandmother, Catherine, she was Catherine as well, but called Rina or she was called Rainey as well. So basically, it's very straightforward. You just translate Catherine to Katrina, shorn it down to Rena, and retranslate it back to English. You get Rena. <laughs> I mean, very straightforward. Uh, extremely. Very, I don't know why you didn't think of it. No, that's a very Irish way of working out some sort of calculation to do with English. 
very Irish. Interesting facts get more and more interesting I everywhere. I, I know. Mean, next thing Leah is going to tell me her name isn't Leah at all, but it's William or something. <laughs> no, I can confirm. <laughs> I did there was I changed the Leah to Leem and then I put the will on it. <laughs> you are in fact correct. No, I can confirm. <laughs> I confer- can confirm on my birth cert does say Leah. So that's a a very very interesting fact i don't know whether to call you catherine now or rena but we'll stick with rena so i guess rena just like i said i kind of listed a few of your accolades there and you mentioned you're a physio so what i'd like for you is kind of as i said to to take us on the journey of when football started where you started with it and where you got to with all the accolades as well as trying to balance that with becoming a physio and then also trying to balance it with the the masters and balancing then football and camogie for your county and I know you've won plenty and are numerous of all Ireland's with your club football and camogie teams as well so I guess all myself and Fee Malone have to do is sit back and listen I'm <laughs> uh, because, yeah because I'm very excited to hear all of this like I really want to know when you squeeze in your sleeping and your eating so <laughs> <laughs> into all of that so if you could kindly take us away on that little journey not little but very very big journey and uh, that would be yeah, great no problem at all so, look, I come from a place called Burings. It's a lovely little place. It's in the parish of Inniscarra. Um, so I suppose Inniscarra would kind of be like a, a hurling, more hurling than football, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I come from a family. I have an older brother and I have a twin sister as well. Oh. So I don't come twin. from like... What's her name? Her name is Mary. <laughs> She's just got... Mary which, Mary is, which is short for... <laughs> Yeah. interesting story about Mary so Mary got married two years ago so she obviously was Mary Buckley before she got married and unlike me who had like Rena would be a very uncommon name Mary Buckley is the most popular name in Cork I'd put a bet on that so the minute she got married she changed her name straight away <laughs> okay. um, so so yeah so I grew up in, in Bering so I suppose I Grew up in a house that was not a sports mad house by any manner or means. There's not really a big tradition of sport in, in our family at all, really. I suppose my brother became interested in, in sport and hurling and football were the sports at home around us. So they were the sports he got into. And I suppose I was the one who was playing with him. I took to them. I loved them. My sister loves them now. Probably took a little bit longer initially <laughs> to get into the swing of them. And my parents obviously got into the swing of them as well. And they love them now as well. But I suppose we started from like, which was great from from my point of view in that there was zero pressure on us growing up whatsoever. Like we went out to enjoy it. We weren't pushed out the door or anything like that. We were running out the door. So that's how we started off. Just playing in school and then practicing at home between ourselves, poking the ball against the wall, playing with our cousins, playing with our neighbors, and then just joining the clubs and, you know, becoming just normally obsessed with it and just going from there so I suppose my foot how I started playing football was kind of an interesting story so we would have played football and camogie or hurling in school so everybody had to play and that was that you you know when you went to school in Barry's National School you played sport no questions asked yeah my primary school was football and hurling yeah yeah so when I was in fourth class in school we started a ladies football team so it was the first time we had a girls football team so this was brilliant so before that, just the girls played with the boys. No, what happened then was the girls played with the boys and the girls. We got loads of sport. <laughs> anyway, so that first year, I suppose we started in a low enough grade because it was our first year playing. And we played the school in the parish next door, which is Dunamore. So Dunamore is like a football parish. 
Okay. So we played them in the Skeenis Golf Final. So the Skeenis Golf Final is like the primary school's final. So it's unbelievably important if you're 12 oh. years of age or under in Cork. It is what you live for. Yeah. Like if you don't have your homework done, you won't be playing or practicing for Skeenis Golf Lake. And that is as big a threat as you can receive. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so we got to play Dunamore in the Skeenis Golf Final when I was in fourth class. And that was inside in... Mm, Parky Ring at the time. Wow. And, or was it Parky Queeve? It might have been Parky Ooh, Queeve. Either way, it's oh, it's a big deal. It's a very wow. big deal. So after, so I must have done okay in the game because after the game, a week or so after, a guy from Dunamore, Dan O'Manny, called down to the house mm-hmm. and he asked, "Would I like to play football with Dunamore?" So that's oh. how I started off playing club football. With Dunamore. You were scouted essentially. Scouted. <laughs> yeah. In fourth class, yeah. <laughs> scouted. <laughs> That was a great start. So, like, that's how we started playing playing camogie. So, just playing in school, and we would have played in the in the school blitzes, which you know everybody from second to sixth class would have participated in. You know, like you were thrown into the deep end, very yeah. much so. And we would have been a bit older joining clubs than they are now. You know, I didn't join until I tried to join when I was under ten, but I was told I was too small. Aww. So went back at under eleven. Not just me, everybody. Just, <laughs> a whole year later, she was a whole new yeah. woman. <laughs> whole new woman, yeah. So. Started off with the club at under 11 and then basically any opportunity to play after that I would have played and like, geez, I've absolutely loved it. And it's actually it's actually this year in the last couple of months that I have really appreciated how much I've loved it. So obviously I stepped away from Cork at the end of 2017 Mm -hmm. and I suppose a transition from an inter-county career to a club career can be can be tricky for people but I found it fairly okay because I, I, I enjoy playing with the club so much but this step down from playing with the club to playing absolutely nothing yeah. is is very difficult mm. and it's really made me see how much I, I've just enjoyed playing sport and it must be the same for so many people uh, you know across all the codes that you know when sport is taken away just I suppose realize how important it is to all our lives. Mm-hmm. So. But even people that aren't playing anymore, like I was saying before, my, my father, my dad, trains Piltown Camogie Club at home in Kilkenny. But even as now just a spectator, as he's getting older, like he misses that so much as well, just even going down for training or go having a match the weekend. Like that's the social outlet kind of gone now for indefinitely. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we're into rugby as well. And I I enjoy all sports, really, watching them all. And there's nothing on telly now. (laughs) GA gold and there's rugby gold as well at the weekend is getting (laughs) serious um, (laughs) numbers tuning in. (laughs) Exactly. Like it is. It makes you, it does really make you appreciate it um, a lot, a lot, lot more. And you must be excited then to get back out, hopefully, in the not Yeah, hopefully, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Look. I suppose look we have to we have to put the the health of the nation you know first and we'll see we'll see what happens like look who knows who knows who knows who knows and where did physiotherapy then kind of come into this whole equation yeah so yeah I suppose I, I went on to secondary school and to be fair like I, I, I always loved sport and I always would have been very very committed to sport but I would have always been to be away at the books at the same time classic so, arena classic yeah. arena <laughs> I never minded them too much. I didn't have any, like, I loved sport, but I didn't mind schoolwork and things like that as well. So I used to, used to be tippy away at that. And when I was in, I suppose, fifth year leaving, start, you know, the pressure comes on, you have to kind of decide what you want to do. So I was trying to figure out what would be a good fit for me. So the things that I liked in school were, was kind of maths and science. 
And then obviously I, I really enjoyed the sporting side of it as well. And I suppose because I was playing so much, I would have been exposed to physio. So mm. that's probably the reason I took that route. And I have to say that I'm delighted I took it. <laughs> I, I, I really, really enjoy it. And that's the other thing that I'm missing in this crisis mm. is actually working as a physio. But that'll come back surely <laughs> sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. No no Zoom or Skype physio meetings. <laughs> not at the moment, no. But look, I'm, I'm not going to rule it out completely. <laughs> yeah, so I just went on. I studied physio in UCD. So I'm kind of glad that I was forced out of Cork for a couple of years because it was a brilliant experience and it was four years that I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I made, you know, great friends there and I just learned a lot living away from home. And then I suppose the four years were up and I came straight back home and I've been here since. (laughs) And were you all the while still balancing football and camogie during your college degree or... Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So um, when I was in UCD, I would have been playing football and camogie with UCD, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. So we had we had two, you know, very good teams when I was there. So because the standard was high, I was able to train up there and there wasn't as much pressure to kind of come down to, to Cork to train. So up until March, like so college, college camogie would have been going on in January and February, you know, November, December, January, February. College football would have been going on November, December, January, February, March. So then kind of for April and May, they were the kind of the big slogs for me in my time. So kind of the routine I used to have was I didn't have a car in college, which was a blessing, to be honest, because there might have been a bit of pressure come down midweek if I had had a car. Yes. True, true. You're like, sorry, don't have a car. Can't. I would if I could. Yeah. Were you that person at four o'clock on a Friday with two or three gear bags in the suit? Oh. <laughs> Hurleys, the whole lot. Yeah, that was me. So what I used to actually do is I used to come down on a Thursday and train on a Thursday evening. And then I was basically just train Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and kind of just be off then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that was the routine kind of. Not busy. Yeah, it's it's busy, but it was, geez, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, it was brilliant. It's supposed to do if you're alternating rest days. and But physio is no easy course as well. Like that's quite, I lived with a physio in, when I was in college and my God, she was stressed out of her little head the whole time. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Practicals is a word that she always kind of said. And my God, balancing yeah, that. Yeah, I know. The physio was great. Like, I, like the School of Physio in UCD, they're a lovely gang there. And, and the great thing about them is they're so supportive of sport, you know, throughout the degree. And even afterwards, they'd be in contact. And when I, I did a master's through UCD as well, and they were so supportive. They were exceptional, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. When did this master's pop up? So I did a master's between 2015 and 2017. So basically, I suppose I graduated from UCD in 2009, which wouldn't have been a great time to graduate in terms of physio. The recession was happening and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose my career initially was a bit choppy. I was kind of in and out of work and, you know, this kind of doing what I could and it was a bit tricky and kind of saying oh yeah I'd love to work with you but can't work in the evening because I'm training so it, it was a bit difficult initially but you know once you get a little bit of experience then you know you're kind of on your way so I suppose there was two of us working together and in 2015 we kind of went our separate ways so I kind of had to make a choice was I going to continue in the route of private practice and if so, was I going to go on my own or was I going to link up with somebody or, you know, was I going to go and do something else? So I made a decision that I had been working private practice. I really enjoyed working private practice and I decided to, to open up on my own. So because I was opening up on my own, it was obviously going to be quiet initially. So that allowed me the time to do some educational stuff as well, which was something I wanted to do. So I did a sports physio master's in UCD. 
So what that involved is a day a week in, in lectures. It was basically four semesters. So a semester is 12 weeks. So that's kind of how I broke it down, you know, 12 weeks before Christmas, 12 weeks after Christmas mm -hmm. for two years. So it, the timing was good and, and it just worked out very well. So you, you did your master's between 2015 and 2017. And you said you yeah. stepped away from the Cork football and camogie in 2017. So No, I finished up with football, football a year earlier. So I finished up with football at the end of 2016. Okay, so when did... I suppose, when did the Cork football and the Cork camogie start coming into, into account? Because it was obviously years before the Masters. And then how did it end up balance, trying to balance still playing a little bit of both while you were doing the Masters? So I suppose the initial question is, when did Cork camogie and Cork football come into, into your life? Were you scouted again? <laughs> and then how did you balance that when doing the Masters? I know it was only probably a small bit of it because you, as you said, you stopped the camogie, I think, 2016 and the football 2017. So I suppose that balancing those then at that time. Yeah, so um, in terms of when I started with Cork, I would have been playing underage with Cork, you know, from under 14 onwards. I would have joined the Cork camogie panel in 2004. So I would have been 17. So like definitely I would have, thought that that was a huge achievement because like I had gone to Crow Park to watch the Cork Camogie teams play whereas I'd never gone to watch the Cork Ladies football teams play because they didn't really they weren't very successful at that time a young girl from Cork she's totally aware of you know ladies football whereas when I started it was it was different I suppose I started playing with Cork and I was part of a kind of a huge transition in Cork ladies football. So we went from kind of basically a gang of, you know, a very average team to being an excellent team. So like being part of that journey was was amazing. And we kind of grew up together and we experienced all new things together. And, you know, we experienced the, the transition together. So that was a lovely journey. Whereas in terms of a Cork Camogie, Cork Camogie standard was, was high when I joined mm -hmm. and it was high when I left. So, you know, it's always been it's always been high. So it was just a different kind of introduction. Um, but then when you get stuck into it, it you know, they were, they were very, very similar. And it was very exciting to be on, you know, each year that you played with Cork, like you were in with a chance of winning, winning something at the end of the year. And like, that was such a blessing. And, you know, it would give you great excitement at the start of every year, you know, the potential that was there for the year. Did um, you feel though, the the positive of that is like, yes, you have that potential because with the camogie and the football, as you said, you went through that, that change where football became what it is today, the, the female team now, what it is today. Did you feel a pressure then as well? Because are this ex expectation because you had started to win and stuff like that did you feel that not really no no so initially with football there was no pressure whatsoever like it was like just a huge celebration of of life like of just you know of just playing and you know being better than we were the previous year and it was there was no pressure from that point of view. And I suppose we had, I suppose the management were excellent in terms of their direction, you know. You know, there wasn't any any pressure, you know, to make sure we did as well as we did last year. You know, it was always like, you know, you'd start at the beginning of the year and, you know, you would forget about what happened last year and you try and make the best of the year that was there. Um, and that was always very, very important. So uh, there was no pressure that way, you know. So how did you find balancing the camogie and the football? Because... One of my friends plays or still plays currently for the the Cork football team, and like I knew her schedule was 
crazy from doing just the one <laughs> one discipline so how did you find balancing the two yeah no i will say that again like sport has kind of changed in the last i would say in the last five years in particular you know five to seven years in particular so when i was coming towards the end of my career playing both football and camogie was becoming more difficult and I was also an older athlete. So that's why for the last year, I, I, I just played the one. So I suppose the reasons it became more difficult was because there was more matches. There was probably a higher expectation in terms of the number of sessions you had to do. So when I started, like nobody went to the gym. I think we were brought to the gym once one time when we were quite young and like, we all just went on the treadmill like we didn't we didn't know we didn't know what we to do same. if I look at the club at home and when I was playing when I was maybe 15 16 and we were on the junior intermediate panels like you might go to the gym once in a blue moon but you'd all go drinking at the weekend if he won a match do you know that kind of a way whereas now it's a completely different monster <laughs> so it's completely different yeah and like there's I suppose even there's so much talk about recovery and you know there's a lot of bigger awareness of how you're feeling and you know what condition you are for training what condition you're in for for matches and obviously these are these are excellent things but when I started you know all we did was pitch training, nothing else. Yeah. Um, so because of that, and because <laughs> it was basically easier to get knocked out of a championship, so that would be for club and for county, there was less training sessions and there was less matches, and all the training was just field training. So it was much more manageable. Now that's it, I was out every night of the week and at the weekend maybe more than once. That was the norm. But because I was young and because I was mad for it and there was more of us doing it, it wasn't just me. I got support from my parents. The managements were very supportive as well. And my clubs are very supportive. So like I had huge support from everyone around me. I was enthusiastic about it myself. I was always optimistic about, you know, the different teams being so competitive that I was on, that it just all came together lovely. And I suppose that's why I managed to balance it all, really. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine doing it now? Like, Can I imagine doing it now? <laughs> I'd love to be able to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose when, you, when you're when you so passionate about something and when you love it so much, it doesn't probably feel like it's... Maybe chore is not the right word, but it doesn't feel like a sacrifice or anything like that. It's just something that is part of who you are and that's what you love. So I can definitely understand how balancing the two was just like just like an everyday thing for you and you just kind of didn't bat an eyelid which is very cool like and I suppose absolutely and then like there was great crack and stuff as well you know Mm. which there still is obviously nowadays but like I just have such fond memories of you know we used to do a lot of training in the farm so the farm is like it's it's UCC's grown so there was a couple of years there that we used to train for football and camogie in the farm so literally there was a gang of us who were playing football and camogie and we used to be there on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. So five days a week. Oh my we God. Farm. Like it was, and I just associate the farm with such happy times. Like, you know, even though the legs that ran off us, I'm sure a number yeah. of times, but we just had so much fun at the farm. Like it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, fitness for uh, football and camogie is very different to fitness for for rugby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is, but you don't get the noses kicked off us as you were talking about <laughs> your last uh, I, know, I, th- I think I'd nearly prefer the noses being kicked off me than I to run. 
home to tell my father I was playing rugby and he was like, you're going to get awful slow. And I, I did. <laughs> I did get awful slow. Yeah. I was stuck in full back. I wasn't allowed to move at all yeah. on the on the camogie team. But like that, he, and he always said, he was like, you never got any of the injuries playing camogie that you did playing rugby, which quite frankly is true. <laughs> so, But I do, I did like how both of the sports complemented each other. Like I ha- definitely had skills that I had growing up playing camogie that I was able to use in rugby and vice versa then my physicality of rugby probably gave me a bit more confidence then on the camogie field Mm -hmm. so it was a nice balance for a while and then sure then life takes over and you have to make decisions and and I wasn't able to to physically play camogie anymore with the distance and the traveling and stuff and a Kilkenny girl can't play camogie in Galway that's just not (laughs) not allowed (laughs) so with the two football and camogie you with Cork you've won a total of 18 All-Ireland titles or medals. And you are the person that holds the most between the two, I, is that correct? So there's two of us, actually. So there's myself Bre- you and, and Breach Breed Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you have the same number, yeah. Oh, you have the same number. I thought she had one less. Oh, you have the same. Oh. <laughs> up, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you should have. You should just go back yeah. and play one more game just to, just to get yeah, that so one. She, she actually, she had a baby in 2017, so I snuck ahead. Oh. And so <laughs> She came back. <laughs> dang it, dang it. Is it an even split between the two? No, so I have 11 football and 7 camogie. Okay, okay. And I suppose the question I want to ask is, what was it like getting the first with each and then the last with each? Ooh, good question. question yeah. <laughs> so the first, so 2005 was my the first time. So yeah, so we played... Camogie would have been first, so we played Tipperary and Camogie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was very special to win our first All Ireland and to get to get one over Tipperary because they were they were probably the best team in Ireland at the time. They they had a phenomenal team, you know. They had no one likes Tipperary. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember I was marking Emer McDonald that day to be honest for the first half and. I had a tough half hour that's brought out to the wing in the second half. <laughs> it was a bit better for me. It was a tough game. Led to, they were an excellent team at the time. So, look, it was very, very special. I will say, so we had the football then two weeks after that. And I, I will say, because I knew we had the football honour and coming up two weeks after the Camogie final, like, I suppose I never really let my hair down properly or, mm. you know, it was always in the back of your head. Yeah. So we played Galway then in the final in 2005 and it was the first time that Cork had won a ladies football final and I suppose for me it was kind of the the two finals nearly coming together Mm -hmm. so I suppose I have really great memories of of that game and after that game was a very special very very special time but that was that was lovely so then in terms of my last medal so I would have won my last football final in 2016 so that was a day it was absolutely lashing rain uh we played Dublin and we we were under a lot of pressure in the first half, but Darren O'Sullivan kicked two or three excellent points in the second half, got our noses ahead. And it was a game that Dublin, I'm sure, were not well, too happy about. Is that where you came <laughs> back we were from like thrilled to hang on and to win the game? Was that was that where you came back from like fourteen points or something? Was no, no, that was that was a different year. That was oh, okay. um, that okay. was twenty fourteen. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, no, no, that like, was a different year. Yeah, um, that yeah, was I certainly a, a highlight. But yeah, twenty sixteen was Dublin in the rain, and then twenty seventeen was my last medal with the with the Cork Camogies. So I suppose I I really enjoyed that game because I probably knew going to the game that it was going to be my last game with Cork. So it was one with a last. We were with time up. I think time was up, and we were 
down a point. Jim O'Connor got an equalising point, and Julia White managed to to hit a point. And again, if I was from Kilkenny, I'd be wondering how did we not hook her like or block her? It was how she got the shot away. I don't know, and how it went over the bar. I don't know, but it was it was a it was a finish yeah. to match. It. it was that? awful hard on the Kilkenny crowd. What's that? Yeah, my face is amazing like... for us. <laughs> so that was the last game that, that I played with Cork. So it, it finished on a real, real high. Real high, yeah, fantastic. And uh, uh, another question that, that's kind of similar to that one is: you're the f- only person so far to captain both camogie and football in the men's or female. Well, it would, men's wouldn't be playing camogie; they're playing hurling. But two in an All Ireland title. So, how was it winning those medals then, or those titles at the time? Because I can just see in in the background too. There's a, I think it's you holding up, holding up the cup there. So, what was it like to captain the team and win the titles with both camogie and football? Yeah, I suppose it was absolutely lovely. Um, it 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 was it was uh, you know it's a huge honour. So so in Cork, like you, if your club wins the the county championship, then your club nominates somebody mm-hmm, to, um, to represent yeah. the club as captain. Mm-hmm. So from football, I suppose Dunmore, we won the the county championship. I had been captain in 2010. So if you look back on the records, Cork would have won the All Ireland from 2005 to 2009. I was captain in 2010, and we lost. And then we would have won in 11. <laughs> we actually won then from 11 until 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the losing captain in 2010. So, <laughs> that's, we don't um, need to ask that. It's a minor, minor thing. <laughs> <laughs> so look, come here, that's, that's, that's totally normal. But I will say that after losing in 2010, look, it was my second experience of being, of being captain with Cork. And, you know, it probably was, you know, you have to grow into the role and it's probably a bit easier when you're a little bit older. So it was something that, that I suppose, look, I enjoyed it. There's a little bit of extra pressure when it comes to the day of a, of a final because obviously you have to have your acceptance speech ready. But look, it was something that I enjoyed and it was it's a huge source of pride for, I suppose, in particular for your family and for your club. For yourself, it's kind of a job you must do mm-hmm. and do it to the best of your ability. But like, I, I do know that if it was someone in my family, you know, I'd be so, so proud of them. So it would have been the same the other way around. And I'm sure your family and friends are very proud of you for all of the All-Ireland medals that you've won over the years. What, and maybe it coincides with the moments that you've spoken about already, but what moment are moments between camogie and football? Is there any particular moment that stands out to you that's something that you'll always kind of take with you after your, after your years of playing both? Particular moment? Uh, like, I suppose it's tricky to, to bring it down to one moment in particular, but... Mm-hmm. It's definitely one one moment which I'll I'll never forget was actually to do with with a club, and um, we still were playing within a scar in Camogie. So I was very lucky with Dunmore in that we were usually successful when I was quite young. So maybe I didn't appreciate it as much as I I should have. And again with Cork, I was I was quite young when we won All Irelands for the first time. But then I suppose within a scar, we didn't win a whole pile in my earlier years. But we won the county championship. I was, had a sob story there that we lost the All-Ireland 2010 when I, when I was captain. But we did win the county championship winning a Scarra yeah. in 2010, which was the first time that the club would have won the, the county championship. So that was a huge thing. But I suppose, so the, the story behind it is, that, well, I obviously would have played in the backs all my life or, or maybe midfield a little bit as well. But going into this county final, it actually was a replay. So I missed the first, um, I missed the first final. I was actually injured. So for the replay... I was very excited about getting to play in the replay. <laughs> so we were losing by two points and we were into extra time. And didn't I score a goal, basically? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
<laughs> so I have to say that it was a phenomenal experience and it was the only time in my whole career that I've made like I've scored an important score <laughs> and like that we won a county championship was unbelievable but like I remember afterwards for about a year I was so jealous of the forwards getting to experience this feeling <laughs> of all the scoring glory. <laughs> like it was unbelievable like it was so important and like the feeling was unbelievable <laughs> no I didn't celebrate at all I ran straight back into the backs to make sure he wouldn't give away anything else but like I, I think it was the moment I remember the most just the feeling of of having scored mm-hmm. it was just something it was a new thing for me and it was just it was a very important game for us I suppose that's did, the moment that I remember the most. When you scored and you said you didn't celebrate, did you have an inner monologue where you were like, okay, okay, just got us. <laughs> just, just keep going. Back, get back, get back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I keep just couldn't it chill. <laughs> Unreal. Like, there, there's definitely, I think it's hard to explain to people that don't play sports what those kind of moments feel like. Like, I can't pinpoint one now for myself or if you think of anyone from college but there there are definitely moments that you just kind of cherish and wish you could kind of relive as you said you'd wish you could play now kind of thing but you are I all... agree in sport like mm. um it's something I've always loved about sport like it's it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from like you you just can't you can't buy it mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's so special and it's something that everybody should be able to experience you know men or women or you know, yeah. able-bodied or disabled or whatever it is. Like, there's something just, you know, it's bigger than money and... Magical. You know, it is. It's class, like, you know. And I think um, it's especially so, like, I suppose I'm a team sport person and all of us seem to be a team sport p- people. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for people that do solo sport, but there's something, as you said, Fee, there is something magical without being cheesy, but I like to be cheesy, about playing team sports. And when you win, especially, I think, on a big stage, like... Croke Park when you win or Parky Cueve or Parky Reen and I feel like the crowd just becomes something that's far away you kind of look to your teammates and you're like all of this training all of running in the rain in the muck has come down to this and you just see your players your teammates and it just becomes this moment that you all celebrate and there's something there is something very special uh, about that yeah You'll never forget it. You can't, you can't replicate that feeling. No. Like, I want it again. Someone to go to us taking out a bottle of wine and going, do you remember when we were class? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when we could run for ages? No, my hip hurts. <laughs> they, were the, they were the good old days. Like, you uh, are very... Not lucky is not the right word, because you oh, just... Oh, yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I think Definitely you've is, yeah. been... You are quite a unique... In a unique situation that you've experienced such a fantastic career within sports, within your camogie and within your football career, and it's just... It's unreal to hear just how kind of amazing you did to get through it. Not that you, it was a, a challenge or anything, but it was something that you loved and that you experienced and something that you cherish, which is unreal to hear, kind of. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's been brilliant. But I've been very lucky. Like, I've got, you know, I, 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 I can't but compliment, you know, how supportive my parents were. And that's huge. It's mm-hmm. really, really important. You know, they weren't pushy. You know, they, it wasn't like they were at me to go training but they were so supportive in terms of like, you know, having my gear ready, 
would drive me anywhere I needed to be driven to, Mm -hmm. never gave out about, you know, never even put pressure on me to have, you know, summer jobs and stuff like that. No, I didn't have a very lavish lifestyle or anything like that, but they really accommodated me and allowed me to, to develop in sport. And then, like, I was just born at a great time you know I'm gonna say in a great county but we were you know <laughs> obviously we had great teams when I was playing and you know there's still great teams but you know I'm very lucky from mm. that point of view as well and you know the clubs that I've been involved in you know there's been great people there that have you know developed me as a person and developed me as an athlete and you know I've been so so lucky mm-hmm. and like hopefully you know it's all comes, comes around and hopefully I'll get the chance to to help develop other people and you know, improve their lives and bring enjoyment to, to their lives as well. That's so funny. I was going to ask, would you consider coaching or anything like that? Ah, yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, I, I, I'm I, still playing. When this, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like definitely when I finish up playing, like I, I work, I suppose I do a bit of evening work as well in my job. When I'm still playing, I don't have the opportunity to do any coaching really. But when my circumstances change in terms of playing or work, Oh, without a doubt, I definitely help out. You know, sport is, is great to be involved in. It's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Like, I think yeah. when all is this situation is over, I think will sports, any sports, be it camogie, football, rugby, soccer, whatever, will need people the likes of you to help encourage the next generation to to take back up sports or take up what it is that they might want to do. Because I feel this limbo situation that everyone is in we were just saying I think before we started recording that there is this fear that there will be people that will be lost because of of this they won't get to experience what it is to be on a sports team or just because they're at that age where they are that influencing age so yeah I think it would be a big part of getting people into sports when all this is said and done will be the people that have great memories from sports if that makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and like, I would even add that, like, I've talked about the transition in, in, in football team, in the Cork football team when I was, when I was playing. And I suppose the transition in terms of number of games, number of training sessions, nutrition, gym. But like the one thing that has changed that I suppose I'm delighted to, to see is that, and you guys are obviously helping this as well is like that nowadays whether you're a girl or a boy it doesn't matter if you like sport you play Mm -hmm. and that is that is outstanding you know that probably wasn't the case when we were young Mm -hmm. but like regardless no if you are into sport you just play yeah and that's brilliant visibility is everything isn't it really like it's it's crucial yeah 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 whether you're a boy or a girl if you see someone doing something that you want to do then why not do it yourself yeah yeah i'd be saying there needs to be a lot of effort put into getting the guys dancing and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) i like that flip of that yeah Yeah. obviously playing cork with cork football and camogie it had to come to an end at some point unfortunately so you obviously decided to stop or retire from camogie first before football what how did you come to the decision to, to, to pick one or the other to kind of stop for a year before you stop the other? What even just what brought you to the decision to even just stop both, I guess? Yeah, it was straight far enough. So I, I continued camogie for an extra year to football. Oh, so sorry, I suppose the reason really was that I was finding it hard to recover after one game or match and to be ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. So 2016 was my last year playing both football and camogie. 
So you remember Kilkenny beat us in Camogie in 2016, and I suppose I was disappointed myself in how I played in the final. No, we had we had played a week before in the football All Ireland semi final on a Saturday and trained hard on the Sunday morning, and that was a huge mistake ah. on my part. So I kind of realised that I just didn't have... I suppose I was getting that bit older, I needed more rest. Playing the two was was probably a little bit too high of a demand for me. So in terms of to decide which one to give up, I, it was kind of taken out of my hands because I our club won the Camogie Club Championship in 2016, so I was captain of the Cork Camogie team for 2017. So I chose okay. to play camogie mm-hmm. and I left the football off. Okay. So that was how I made the decision. Okay. It was actually really straightforward. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be this like debate of like between yourself. Really what will I choose? <laughs> yeah. I know. I knew I had to make a decision yeah. and it was kind of taken out of my hands. Yeah. 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 And look, you had an amazing stint with both, to be fair. What a way to, to kind of to have a career in both some people would that was would, brilliant yeah it was absolutely brilliant yeah, yeah, yeah some people would hope to have that and just the one but you were very uh i won't I, I can't think of any other word than lucky but <laughs> uh to, think, to have both yeah you must be some woman for the time management and organization <laughs> yeah. as well like. yeah yeah i i i do enjoy packing the days yeah um, <laughs> I, I will say even when we're in this current situation, like it's such a change for me, you know, not to have something, you know, a big list of things to do. Like I'm going around the place, making myself busy for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> but it's just kind of the way I've rolled for the last while. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I, how I kind of enjoy myself. Yeah, really, just so. operate. That's just why yeah. you like things. Yeah, that's totally understandable. At the end of 2017, you have also finished the Masters. Is that correct? Is that? Yeah. Correct, yeah. So you finished the Masters while also finishing up with the Camogie and the year before finishing up with the football. After the Masters, where did you find yourself? I suppose I just became busier at work, really. That was probably the, the biggest thing. So I run a private practice. It's not a it's not a massive operation. It's, it's a one-man show. It's just myself. But it's a nice practice. I hope I do a good job with the people who come in. And when did you um, start so the continue private with practice? That. What's that? When did you start the private practice? So in 2015, okay. I started in 2015, yeah. So, it took, you know, it, t- it took a little bit of time to build up as well. Mm-hmm. So by 2017, things were nicely busy. I suppose I continued playing at club level. I actually did a leadership course through the WGPA as well. So that took up a little bit of my time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to develop kind of a skill set in a different area which was really enjoyable and something probably that was great because it was a bit of a transition in my life. So the leadership course through the WPA just kind of landed for me at the right time. Again, I was I was very lucky. <laughs> you just seem to be a right time, right place kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. No. <laughs> Obviously, you have the, the practice and stuff like that. And what, um, as you said, it took a, a time to build up to that. What? as someone that works for myself as well, what made you come to the decision of setting up your own practice rather than maybe the likes of going into an already established practice? Yeah, I suppose I kind of I kind of wanted the challenge of creating an atmosphere where I felt that, that clients could really get the most out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd worked in a number of different practices by that stage and I felt that I had gained enough experience that you know, I could kind of try and take the best parts of each of the practices and kind of put them together with my own kind of spin on it. Mm-hmm. I was aware as well that I was going to upskill with the masters. So I thought it was just a, a nice time for me to, to just give it a go. Mm-hmm. I suppose I wasn't under a huge financial pressure either. So I just thought the, the timing was good. And you 
also have opened a new recovery room, I believe it, in McCrew. <laughs> I have my yeah, ins- I have my inside sources. Shut down. <laughs> yeah, Not it wasn't the right time, right place, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was bound to. Yeah, exactly. It had to come to some sort of end. Um, but I'm sure it'll, everything will pick up when everything gets <laughs> back funny, to normal. Yeah. So, but... yeah. so we got you know those compression recovery boots. Yeah. Um. So we just got in two sets of them. Look, I suppose recovery has become a huge thing. Everybody wants to train at a very high level, mm. and you want to be ready for the games. And if you don't train at a high level, you're not going to be ready for the games. And if you don't recover, you're not going to be ready for the games as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the recovery boots are a way to to recover passively with some science behind it as well. So yeah, I just thought it was a nice fit for my practice. How it actually works is through compression. So like there's compression put through the through the boots. And it's it's basically that it aids the metabolic waste that occurs through exercise it aids the return to the to your core. Now, it's probably a bit more effective for resistance training, so weight training, than it is for cardio training. But that's the kind of the theory behind it. And like, there's kind of a nice feel good to it as well. The feeling up to it is like the feeling you'd have after getting a massage. So look, there's a bit of science behind it. There's a nice feel good to it. It's not overly expensive. So that's why we went with it. I just had to get the science in there, Leah, sorry. <laughs> you theme alone with her science. I love science. Um, (laughs) That's cool. Like, yeah, I have my inside source that told me about that, that you had opened it up. Um, Unfortunately, obviously, with the the timing, (laughs) mightn't be ideal. But Sherlock, I think when everything starts to pick back up, people will start getting back into the swing of things. I think especially with sports, so many people are missing it right now that it might be a case that people get back to it a little too quickly and will need your recovery room. So uh, you might be in high demand quicker than you think. But I suppose like what an incredible journey or career that you've gone on. And I have to say it's, it's, you're very humble and modest about it, but it's just, it's unreal. Like it's, you're one of the top athletes probably in Ireland that have accomplished just incredible feats with all the all Irelands that you've won. So fair dues. And like, it's just incredible what you've accomplished in the years that you've been playing Camogian football and the years that you'll, I suppose, continue to play with, with club and stuff like that. So hopefully there's more all Irelands in, in your, <laughs> in your future. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, the boots now should be well recovered. That's it. <laughs> we'll all be going down getting these compression boots on. But I guess what I'd like to know is what is next for Rena Buckley in terms of... Oh, that'll be a whole new podcast. I know. (laughs) I know. I feel like there's just going to be a posse of like next generation of camogie and football players following behind in your footsteps. But (laughs) what, what, what do you feel is next or what is your goal for the future? What is my goal for the future? That's that's a good question. <laughs> T- to be honest, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. I I suppose in terms of my goals with work would be just to, to continue work. It would have been to with sport. It would have been so we actually won the junior club all Ireland in football last year, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it would be to be competitive in intermediate grade in football this year. And I suppose to to do as well as we can within Ascara as well. No, in Camogie, whether there's going to be any games or not, I, I don't know. I suppose I better give a mention that we're planning, myself and Paddy, my partner, are planning on getting married next year. Um, so <laughs> I suppose that's in the plans for the future. We have to put yeah. it in there. It has to be in there, I suppose. <laughs> we're hoping to get married around the time of the leaving cert, to be honest. 
It's usually when the sun is out. It's usually when the sun's out as well. Usually. <laughs> That's, I think, as you said, like obviously the kind of typical goals that you have with your work and stuff like that. I think in a way it's kind of refreshing to not be like, yeah, this is what I plan to do. Because I think there's this, sometimes this idea that everyone knows like what prim- they're what they're doing you know what I mean there's like yeah this is my next plan this is what that's my two-year plan like it's okay to not be like this is exactly what I want to do you just have like myself like somebody asked me what did I want with my my work for the next few years I'd be like just to like you know get more clients and stuff would be nice <laughs> maybe hire somebody else like it doesn't have to be anything major and I think that's refreshing and that's I think a lot of yeah, people need completely. to hear that if you, if that makes sense <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah ah look I, I don't have anything burning in terms of what I would really like in the next couple of years besides getting married obviously but you know if it's not broken don't fix it you mm-hmm. know it's things are fine yeah, I think I'm happy really like Leo was saying that's really important too that you don't it doesn't need to be world changing mm. just just living is a goal that's fine too (laughs) right now right now existing is just the best you can do (laughs) if you're existing you're exceeding right now by staying at home it's great i know (laughs) so we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast now and i know i've said it already but thank you very much for coming on to our very humble podcast and sharing such a fantastic and just incredible career with your football and your camogie and your becoming a physio and just kind of you kind of have this like i'll just take it like every day at a time kind of just keep going kind of thing which is um i think amazing yeah absolutely wonderful and i hope that anyone that's listening to this episode that might be maybe in a similar boat or position that you were when you were younger with sports or whatever it may be and listen to this and kind of get some inspiration from it and just know that it can be done <laughs> I do think what you brought is the fun to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, sport and training you can kind of get lost in the series of it all you know wanting to but you just showed that you can have exactly by having the crack and enjoy and I think that's really really important I think uh, more than ever um, sport primarily they're fun um, and for enjoyment and I would hope that any younger thing to anyone taking a new sport to just remember that that that's what it's all about really. yeah definitely yeah um, I agree with you 100% and you can do your best and take it seriously but like you, you can enjoy it as well obviously yeah exactly that's what it's there for mm-hmm. and, and if you're in the absolutely. right place in the right time <laughs> yeah <laughs> And and as we said, like in the in the episode, there is something special about team sports. So yes, there will be times that you're it's tough, especially like training and stuff like that, that you probably don't want to be there. But when when the good things happen, they make it all worthwhile. So yeah, unreal. What what a career, Rena. Catherine Buckley, <laughs> Catherine Marina Buckley. <laughs> so usually, uh, as we come to the end of the podcast, we kind of just do a few like fun, kind of quick fire questions. So the first one is three people dead or alive that you would like to have over for dinner. Okay, so my three people, I number one person that I'd like to have over is Sanya Sullivan. Okay, um, she's a off Sanya. Number two, somebody who I really admire as well, Very different Sanya. Would be Michael D. Higgins. Oh, yeah. Michael, D for the Michael D. Can his dog <laughs> come along as well? His dog is so cute. 
Have you met them? Have you met the two of them? I have, yeah. I have. I've been lucky enough to meet them, yeah, but like wow. not in the intense dinner situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the person I, I suppose I'd choose Potty. Oh, <laughs> you better bring, you better bring him along. <laughs> Very, very uh, political of you. Diplomatic of you. Okay, perfect. There, great. Three great choices. So the next one is, what is your favorite quote or mantra that you live by or like that you like? So the fa- my favorite one I think I have is one that Eamon Ryan used to tell us. So Eamon Ryan trained us with yeah. the football team. A legend. Eamon was the, the and I loved a bit of Gaelic as well. <laughs> So he used to have a knuckle for us and he was Neil Chora in, Ch- in Sungashka at Thought Unit. So Neil Chora, there's no limits in Sungashka, so the achievements at Thought Unit that are within you. Oh, like and it's that. lovely, like, and it's applicable I to everyone. That. That's really good. The man Eamon Ryan, he was a legend. That's a legend. That's, oh, he's classy, yeah. Yeah, it was sorry to see him leave. Obviously, Evie's brilliant as well, but Eamon Ryan had something special there for the women for a while. Um, so next question. Knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself 10 years ago? I think I'd just tell myself that it'll actually be grand not to worry at all. Like, it's, it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll all be grand. <laughs> I know. 2020 yeah. is a bit weird but yeah. it's fine yeah. it'll be grand just skip 2020 <laughs> don't bother with it <laughs> but up until that point don't worry <laughs> solid <laughs> advice I think that's as simple as it sounds trying not don't don't worry is, is, is a big thing to tell people so one last thought before we sign off what would you say to someone that's teetering on the edge of a big decision or what life advice would you give someone i suppose just to be honest with yourself you know all the big decisions are desperate because nobody can tell you what to do you have to make the decision yourself and that's awkward but if you're honest with yourself i suppose you know, you'll, you'll make the right decision for yourself mm-hmm. and you'll make a good decision, you know, that you live by, that you'll be happy with. So I think that's it. I, I like that. Yeah, I like Just that. Be honest, really and, like honest that. and true to yourself, pretty much. Just yeah, then, absolutely. Enjoy yeah. lying to yourself, if, yeah. you know. I know. Sometimes we all put it somebody else, you know, to ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Rena, where can people find you if you want to plug some of your social media or if you want to plug um, your business or whatever you'd like to push out to the to our listeners? Ah, yes. But in terms of business, I so I work at Rena Buckley Charter Physiotherapy Clinic McCroom. So there's a website there. There's a Facebook page there. So the Facebook is just Rena Buckley Charter Physiotherapy Clinic. And there's reasons rooms as well. They're quite at, at the moment, but I'm sure we'll get back up and running. I'm proud of being a social media person. But I do have a Twitter handle at Rena Books, so you you can find me there. Fantastic! You've been excellent. You've an excellent selling uh, <laughs> statement there. Will get you back up and running with your recovery. I think you should really you should take that and run. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> no, really, we're here all Keep day. It in mind. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Rena, for for coming on to our podcast. It was a joy to listen to to your journey and tell us and um, for you to tell us your career and just thank you so much for coming on. We really no appreciate it. No bother. Thanks very much for having me. We it was really, really enjoyable. It. Thanks, guys. So we will sign off there for our next Gen Femme episode and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.